Well, good evening. I say it every, every time we come to the microphone in the evening. I just wonder if anybody ever heard it. So good evening. How's everyone tonight? Let's all stand together. Turn to page number 697 with me, if you would. Page 697, just over in the glory land. We're going to sing all four verses as we begin together tonight. I've a home prepared where the saints abide Just over in the glory land As I long to be by my Savior's side Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band Just over in the glory land just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, I am on my way to those mansions fair. Just over in the glory land, there to sing God's praise and His glory share. Just over in the glory land, just Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand, just over in the glory land. What a joyful thought that my Lord I'll see, just over in the glory land, and with kindred saved there forever be. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land. With the blood-washed throng, I will shout and sing, just over in the glory land. Glad hosannas to Christ the Lord and King, just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band, just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand, just over in the glory land. Amen. Boy, sure looking forward to that, amen, and what a blessing. Sure glad you're here uh, tonight. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer and ask God's blessing upon our services. I'm going to ask Brother Jim Wisdom if you would open us in a word of prayer tonight.
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Uh, don't, I'm not going to take a lot of time to make a bunch of announcements tonight, but did just want to mention a few things. Uh, of course, tonight after the service, uh, having to linger longer, and so want to invite you to stay and have some fellowship. I know there's probably plenty of finger foods and things like that, and so looking forward to that. And then, of course, this coming Tuesday night at 7 o'clock is the ladies' meeting, and so usually through the summer we take a little break there, and then after the summer we get started back. And so, ladies, make sure you're aware of that. We'll be starting back this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. It is a soup and salad uh, supper, and so make sure that you bring either a soup and or salad, however you want to do that, but make sure that you bring that so that uh, you can participate uh, in that. And then, of course, some things coming up in the month of September. Uh, September the 9th and 10th is the ladies' retreat. September the 17th be our churchwide outreach. And then also, men, don't forget about September the 23rd and 24th is the Baptist Men's Recharge. Uh, that'll be down in Andover, Kansas that we go to uh, each year. And so if any of our men or our young men, we uh, want to make that available to our teen boys as well. And so if any of you would like to go to that, you do need to make sure that you sign up by tonight. Uh, it's out there in the outer foyer. And then, of course, this week we'll start getting registered and things like that. But again, don't forget about that and make sure... Uh, that you sign up for that. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead tonight, and uh, let's sing another song. All right. Let's turn to page 651 now, The Glory Land Way, page number 651. We'll sing all three verses together tonight. Sing it out on the first. I am on my... I'm sorry, I got the wrong... That's what happens when you do two songs that are similar back-to-back. Can't do that. I should know better. I am on my way... To the bright and shining well. Let's try that again, all right? I'll get the right tune here. All right, here we go. I am the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Listen to the call, the gospel call today. Get in the glory land way. Wanderers come home, oh, hasten to obey and get in the glory land way. I'm in the glory in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way Onward I'm in the glory land way Soon I shall see him in that home above Oh I'm in the glory land way I'm in the glory land way I'm in the glory land way. Amen. I knew we'd get it. Y'all did a great job. Uh, good to be in the Lord's house again tonight. Amen. And uh, so thankful for all he's given us. Now we get a chance to give back to him. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Ethan Whitney. Would you pray for the offerings tonight, please?
Amen. Soldier to page 635 and stand for our last song now. Page 635. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We'll sing all three verses this evening. Page 635. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus around the throne and thus surround the throne we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion that beautiful city of god let those refuse to sing who never knew our god but children of the heavenly king but children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad may speak their joys abroad we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion that beautiful city of god then let our songs abound and every tear be dry we're marching through Emmanuel's ground we're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high to fairer worlds on high we're marching to Zion beautiful beautiful Zion we're marching upward to Zion that beautiful city of God. Amen. Great singing. You may be seated tonight. Just before the message, we're going to have a special from the waters. Calvary 
When you knew I was lost And you knew that a cross Was a price you'd have to pay When we cried, crucify, Lord You didn't have to die But you did it anyway Now I'll never see what you saw in me Cause you knew I would never be perfect But I'm just so glad That somehow you thought I was worth it Lord, sometimes I feel like a vessel Just useless old pieces of clay but somehow you saw more something worth dying for you paid more than you should have paid when you knew i was lost and you knew that the cross was a price you'd have to pay when we cry crucify lord you didn't have to die but you did it anyway Now I'll never see what you saw in me Cause you knew I would never be perfect But I'm just so glad that somehow you thought I was worth it Now I'll never see what you saw in me cause you knew i would never be perfect but i'm just so glad that somehow you thought i was worth it but i'm just so glad that somehow you thought i was worth it That's a great song. Aren't you thankful for His grace and His love tonight? What a blessing uh, that is. Well, let's all stand tonight in honor of God's Word. If you're able to stand and want to invite you to the book of Joshua and uh, chapter number 6. <coughs> the book of Joshua tonight and chapter number 6. <coughs> the way I would put it tonight is that this morning we learned that out there, that's not our enemy. That's our mission field. <clears throat> but if we're going to go out there and be the witnesses that we need to be, we need to learn to live victoriously in our own Christian life. And so that's what we're going to look at, uh, begin looking at uh, tonight. So Joshua chapter <clears throat> number 6, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram horn, ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow uh, with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass 
that when you make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before, the, before him. And Joshua said, huh? That's not what he said at all, is it? Notice it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns and bear before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. You got to be thinking... That, that you know these directions that God has given don't make any sense. They, I'm just telling you, they don't make any sense whatsoever when it comes to man's way of thinking. But here's Joshua having just watched Jehovah God part the waters of the Jordan River. And I know what he's thinking. Whatever he said, you do. Because we just saw that. And if he said we do this and that happens, I think it'll happen. I believe he was right. As notice in verse number 8 it says, And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them and the armed men went before the priests and blew with the trumpets and the rear reward came after the ark and the priests going on uh, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets and, as, and Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. Now that right there is a miracle in and of itself. So the ark of the Lord in verse number 11 compassed the city going about at once. And they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the real reward came after the ark of the Lord and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days and it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose, that they rose early about the dawn of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day, on that day, they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout for the Lord hath given you the city. Now look down at verse number 20, just so you know what happens. So the people shouted with the, uh, when the pre, uh, priest blew the trumpet and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. There it is. It did exactly what God said to do. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Well, this is the way I put it in my notes tonight. The preparation's all over with. They've consecrated themselves unto God. Joshua has met with the captain who would be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now it's time to go to battle. It's time to get victory. And the first one up is the impenetrable city of Jericho. But I'm telling you, this is what you got to understand tonight. Though the odds seem improbable and the enemy unbeatable, the captain has a plan for victory. And it works. I said it works. 
Boy, we just need to do what Joshua did and just trust God and obey. You're going to hear that a lot tonight, probably throughout the whole book of Joshua. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. We might just have to sing that at every invitation from now on. Amen. But I'm telling you, there's just something about it. I, I, listen, you want to have victory tonight, trust and obey. It's really bottom line. We could just have invitation now and go eat finger foods. <laughs> nah, you need to see this. It's really good stuff here. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight? And God, just give us a sweet spirit, Lord, a heart's attitude to just see some things from your word tonight. And God, help me tonight again, just asking for your grace and your help tonight to preach your word. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? So, popular military website, so you know this is all true, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, has an article written by a young man named Logan Nye, and it's entitled, seven of, the, uh, seven of the Best So Crazy It Will Work Plans That Actually Worked. And I wanted to give you a few of them. I thought, I thought a couple of them to be pretty uh, crazy, but also pretty hysterical. But the first one was this, was the U.S. Guard's predecessor saved hundreds of sailors by herding reindeer to them. When, in eight, when eight whaling ships and 265 sailors were trapped by, an, by early Arctic ice in 1897, President William McKinley asked the Revenue Cutter Service if they had any way to get supplies to the ships. The RCS, Revenue Cutter Service, was the predecessor to the Coast Guard, and they responded by forming a unit of volunteers who traveled 1,600 miles From December 1897 to March 1898, buying reindeer along the way and herding them to Alaska where the sailors were trapped, they arrived with 382 reindeer just in time for most of the survivors. Three people died of starvation, but the rest ate well until the ice thawed. Reindeer. It worked. Army troops pretended they were vampires. American psychological operation soldiers were sent to the Philippines in the 1950s, or in 1950, to help destroy a communist rebellion in the country. When the commander learned that the local fighters were superstitious and believed in a shape-shifting vampire known as the Aswang, I guess is how you pronounce it, he came up with a Scooby-Doo-esque plan. Now, hopefully you know who Scooby-Doo is. All right, first, he had friendly locals spread a rumor about this vampire living in the hills, and then the Americans and their allies set up an ambush in the hills, waited for the last man in the patrol to pass, and abducted him. They killed him, poked two holes in his neck, drained his blood, put his body back on the trail. And the rebels then found him, and, and, and it scared him to death. They fled the area, and the government forces reclaimed it. That's crazy. That's crazy. The other one is this, the Air Force actually uh, used actual bears to test ejection seats. The Air Force struggled in the late late 50s and early 60s with a simple but challenging problem. Crews who had to eject from supersonic planes were subjected to extreme and sometimes lethal strain. And so the Air Force began testing experimental ejection devices on bears. To be fair, the Air Force didn't start out with bears. It started out with unemployed humans. But the public thought it was messed up for the government to conduct dangerous experiments on unemployed Americans. So the Air Force strapped bears into experimental ejection seat devices on the B-58 Hustler 
The pod was proven safe and nearly all the test animals returned to the ground safely, but unfortunately, the Air Force needed to check for potentially hidden injuries and ordered autopsies on all the animals. So the bears died. I guess the moral of that story is you don't want to be a bear, but you also don't want to be an unemployed American. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that sometimes plans can seem a little crazy, but they still work. And, but here's what you and I got to understand tonight. They always work when God comes up with them. And such is the case of the battle of Jericho. And again, no military mind would look at Jericho and come up with a plan to walk around the wall once for six days straight, and then on the seventh day, walk around it seven times and have seven priests blow seven trumpets and shout, and then the walls come tumbling down. But God did exactly that, and my friend, it worked. Now as you and I get back into our study of Joshua tonight, I do, I do want to remind us of the typology and the application of, of all of this, because you you got to understand something. We're not we're in the New Testament, and so the Bible says this that these things are written for our examples, our examples, and and so you've got to grab a hold of this tonight. That we're not called to go out and physically engage in warfare and battle for this promised land that God is giving Israel here. That's, listen, that's covenant theology and that's reformed theology. You, you understand tonight, we're not in a physical warfare. We are in a spiritual warfare. But the principle though, the application is this, is that when you look at the promised land and God's people going in, in getting victory over their enemies, well, just as they battled physically, you and I are to battle spiritually, and we are to get victory over our enemies, talking about the devil and the world and the flesh and all of those things, so that we can live in victory. Now, let me just make it clear tonight. Number one, victory starts with by, by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you cannot be saved through some work of your own or whatever the case may be. You still have to come God's way and through God's plan, which is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once you are saved, let's be very clear also tonight, God wants you to live in victory. God desires you to live in victory. And I'm just telling you tonight, we need to see God's people living in victory in our day and time. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect or without sin, but I'm telling you, we can learn to sin less and walk with our God tonight. And that's the idea of this, of this victory tonight and in this, uh, this having this victorious uh, living. So let me just give you some things tonight very quickly from the life of Joshua. Just, I want to just chew on uh, some things, especially this first point. And, and number one tonight, I want you to see the significance of victory uh, from this. I, I, th I really chewed on this for a while and thought about this, but in his commentary on Joshua, John G. Butler pointed out three clear reasons as to why Joshua would not only uh, be the first, uh, Jer why Jericho, excuse me, why Jericho would not only be the first, but also the most important victory Israel needed to win. One of those is very obvious. Conquering Jericho was a must if Israel was going to dwell safely in Gilgal. You, got, you can go back to chapter 5 if you want to, but you'll find that Gilgal was Israel's present 
abode and would remain their main encampment in Canaan for some time. But here's what you also have to understand. Gilgal was not very far from this city of Jericho. It was only a few miles. And so while Israel would camp out in in the open, cities could dwell behind the protection of great walls. And so the only way that Israel would have any protection would be to defeat this very first city, Jericho. The second reason had to do with momentum. You never want to start out in battle with a loss. Listen, after all that Israel had seen God do, they needed to keep the momentum going. A loss would be a step back. They, they would not only have to overcome their enemies, but then they would have to overcome the hurdle of a momentum killer in a defeat. But on the other hand, Jericho was certainly a powerful fortress in the land, and the destruction of it would bring great encouragement to Israel as well as fear in the rest of their enemies. And that brings, brings him to the third and most important reason why this is so important. Conquering Jericho was a must if Joshua was going to be esteemed by the Canaanites, all the ites of the land. With Jericho being such a prominent city, Joshua's reputation would rise or fall on how well Israel would do in this battle. And of course, we know the, the end of the battle, Israel wins. And notice the reaction at the end of the chapter in verse number 27 of chapter 6. It says, so the Lord was with Joshua, watch this, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Mercy. Everybody heard about this. The point is this, listen to this, victory would be significant. This victory. And just like our victory is significant. Come on, listen, stay with me tonight, please, and let's grab a hold of this. I'm I'm just trying to, I I know I'm staying with my notes tonight, but please listen to this. I I realize we've seen a tremendous amount on on preparation, both with Israel and what God did to bring them into the land by the parting of the Jordan River, but in the spiritual victory, if you will, hasn't really been a primary topic But it changes tonight as we go into battle with the city of Jericho. And you and I need to understand that our spiritual victory is just as significant, as important as their physical victory in our text. And and for much of the same reason. And i got to be honest with you tonight, and this is why this is so heavy on my heart. Because I see a lot more of defeated people than I do victorious people. And I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of telling stories about it. I got a whole lot of stories of defeat. I don't have very many stories of victory. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just, listen, you understand, I am tired of seeing people make a profession of faith and then six months to a year later they quit on God and they're no longer in church. I'm tired of seeing that. And I realize sometimes there are false professions and people didn't really get it. But I also realize that sometimes... People just don't realize how significant and important it is for them to not only be saved, but then to grow in their faith and learn to live victoriously in their Christian life. And you've got to understand this. If God wants us to live in victory, then that ought to be enough right there. Then we would desire it. But you also have to think about these things that that was brought up about this, this, this significance of this victory. When we live in victory... We increase the chances, really, of our home living in victory. Or vice versa. 
As I already mentioned, the defeat of Jericho would have a positive impact on their temporary home, Gilgal. If you want to give them safety for, for, uh, their, from their nearby enemies, then they had to win this. But if Israel lost, the camp wouldn't be far behind. And it's the same with us. Someone once said that the sin you struggle with as a parent will only be compounded in the lives of your children. Where you might drink an occasional alcoholic drink, your children will be addicted to it. Where you watch an occasional filthy movie, your children be hooked on pornography. Where you might smoke an occasional cigarette, your children be addicted to a narcotic. In other words, if you live in defeat of your flesh and your lust and your sin and of the devil, your children will follow suit. And to a greater extent, it becomes worse as generations go on. But on the other hand, where there is victory... The home stands a greater chance of having victory as well. And where you seek to be in church when the doors are open, your children will be as well. Where you're growing in your faith, your children are hearing from God's Word as well. And when you get the junk out of your life, listen to this, it's not coming into your home anymore. Praise God. But, but here's the other thing. Defeat is a momentum killer. It really is. And, and by the way, momentum is a real thing. If you're a college football fan, then you already know that. I'm telling you, one, one big play or one good drive and, and a score can completely turn things around. I watched this yesterday, man. I, I was sitting there watching a team being uh, defeated and, and uh, I fell asleep and I woke up and they were ahead by three touchdowns. And I was like, what happened? And the announcer started telling everything. That Good thing. It's like they knew I took a nap. And they said, well, this is what happened. And they had one good drive. And they realized they could run the ball and do this. And the next thing you know, they had another one. And they had another one. And they had another. And man, by the time the end of the game was over, they were blowing the team completely out. Well, why? Because why does momentum work? It's a mindset. When a team is about to overcome their enemy, it only, it only emboldens them to overcome the next enemy. However, when a team constantly loses, that's a mindset as well, and more losses will follow. This is exactly what has happened in our day and time. We've seen so many people end up defeated that as a result, God's people are really to a place of discouragement and an unwillingness to do what God said from the Scriptures. Listen, we, here's, I'm telling you one of the biggest reasons why people don't show up for outreach and witness to others and things like that is because they've seen, they have seen this stuff happen time and time again where people make a profession and then quit on God. And listen, they, and, and I'm just, I'm just telling, and maybe they're to the place where they're even contemplating quitting on God. And I'm just saying to you, that's exactly how momentum works. I'll never forget, man, we had a young man that got, I mean, he just got saved. Uh, when we, I was pastoring there in Cassville, and it was just, it was a blessing. I mean, he was, I remember, I remember him standing during the invitation and just, you, you know, you ever heard that white knuckle in the pew where they're grabbing the pew and holding on to it so tight, their knuckles turn, are turning white because, I mean, he was under conviction. The Spirit of God was dealing with him and he, I mean, he was shaking and, and, and man, and I, he came forward and, and uh, uh, led him to the Lord. He called on Christ and, and got saved. And then uh, we went into the uh, uh, winter time and got into Christmas time and we did a, a kids play and, and uh, like a little Christmas thing. And, and then I got up that night and preached the gospel and gave an invitation. 
and his uh, wife uh, walked the aisle, and she got saved. It was awesome. I mean, man, we were so excited and fired up. And I remember one night I was taking him home, uh, taking him home in the church van, and he was telling me about how fired up he was to be saved and preaching. I'm, listen, I'm never going to quit on God, and man, I'm going to serve God. I'm so excited to be saved. And li- I'm just, I mean, listen, I, I, and it fired me up. Man, I'm driving the van home that night. I've got to watch the speed limit. So excited. About two months later, and I'm trying to call him. Hey, where you at? We missed you this morning. Y'all doing okay? Call me back. Nobody ever calls back. Go out and visit them. Nobody ever answers the door. Try to text them. Does anybody get what I'm saying? And I'm just telling you, listen, it, it was incredibly discouraging. And it even had me to a place where I'm just, I'm just ready to throw in the towel and, and give up. However, that had been exactly what the devil would have wanted. The point is this, don't be, a, don't, don't be a momentum shifter to the negative. For your, for your home, for your church family, be one that encourages others that the gospel still works. Well, how? By learning to live in victory with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing. Think about this. Think about the impact that this has on the lost. As already mentioned, all of the ites of the land They're going to hear about Joshua and this victory. And I'm just telling you tonight, listen to this. People dismiss the truth of this life-changing gospel today. And here's why. Because they've seen too much of the same stuff we've seen. Fake. I said fake. People making a profession and then going back to the old life after just a small amount of time. What they need to see is somebody living in victory. That's what they need to see. I mean, man, you think about the hate, and I'm not trying to paint a picture tonight that would be false or or perfect or anything, but if you go back to the heydays of the 40s and 50s and 60s when God's people were witnessing to the lost and, and people were getting saved, and I realize that the mindset of this generation has certainly changed with lies like evolution and all of that. But I'm just telling you, I believe one of the big reasons why we saw that kind of of success and movement of God, if you will, was because people were genuinely selling out to God and getting victory. And lives were being changed. And and listen, it had a profound impact on others. And you, listen, and you need to understand this tonight. Please listen to this. Please catch this. The gospel can still do that. <laughs> you, <clears throat> God and His power has not dwindled. I, I think more so it's our apathy that's crept up on us. I'm telling you tonight, God's power has not dwindled. Let me say this again. God's power has not dwindled. God is still God. And it, listen, it's, it's, it's us and our unwillingness to live victoriously see that's that's the issue man I look at I was thinking about our people tonight and some of the families that encouraged me in this church and their faithfulness and in the victories they had I was certainly thinking about brother Will and Miss Kristen Kennedy and you don't hear too many stories like that anymore you need to hear a lot more of them or 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 people like you know and I and again I, I could call out names in here tonight but I, I certainly was thinking about brother Gene and, and Miss Ginger Sexton and Brother Gene getting saved in, in Pastor Watson's office and, 
and still, you know, still in, in the house of God some 50 years later and just plugging along. And start, you don't hear testimonies like that very often anymore. But we sure need to. I said we sure need to because God's still God, friend. And I'm just saying to you that if we would hear a lot more of those types of testimonies and people getting victory and walking with God and getting victory over their sin and being faithful and certain, boy, I'm telling you, friend, that has a dramatic impact on the lost to say, wow, you've been here how long? Wow, this was in your life, but now you're serving God? Wow, man, I want that. It's pretty important, isn't it? Don't you think? I'm just saying to you tonight, I, I think that, that uh, Brother Butler was on to something there. It's pretty significant to have victory tonight. Boy, the impacts that it has. And I like this too. There's also the strategy there. And you can go, go back to verse number one there and see this where Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and, and none came in. And so, you know, Joshua's meeting with the captain at the end of the chapter and Jericho Obviously, Israel's nearby. They know they're uh, here for a fight. They already sent the spies in, and, and uh, that, it didn't take them long to spot those guys and go after those guys. So Jericho knows what's going on and what's about to happen. They've shut the doors. They've locked the gates, so to speak. No one's going out. No one's coming in. And then in verse number 2, it says, and I like this, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and that word, that, that word there, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, again, that's Jehovah. This is the captain still speaking. Jesus Christ. And so again, he confirms to Joshua, you're going to be the victor. God wants you to have victory. But then in verse number 3, he begins to give this strategy. Look, and I'm not going to go down here and read all this. You know the plan that they're going to march around the city once for six days. And then on the seventh day, they're going to march around seven times. Seven priests are going to blow seven trumpets. And all the people are going to shout. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. But here, listen, victory is going to be significant for Joshua and Israel. But this strategy also reveals some more things. Listen to this. God's plan for victory is obviously not according to our way of thinking. I don't, I don't know about you, but I always, I, I, I think one of the things I want to see in heaven is Joshua's face when he gets the strategy. I heard your dog look at you like that. Okay, six days. Okay, on seventh day. Battering ram? No. Cannonballs? No. Ladders? Go over the, March around seven, seven times. Blow the horn. Then the battering ram? No. Shout. And then the batter? No. The walls are going to What? Oh, okay. You parted the red, well, you know, you parted the Red Sea. You parted the Jordan. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess you don't get one. <clears throat> Truth of the matter is, though, it's so different with us. We want victory through fleshly ways. We want, it, I, I'm just, we want the victory through works. But victory only comes by faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to God's plan. 
And many of us have faith in Jesus Christ, and that part, we've got that part down tonight. And praise God, if you don't, you need to get it down tonight. But I believe there's many in this room that already do. But you need to understand something, that after salvation, you still need to live victoriously. And the only way that that happens is with obedience to His Word. And that's where we struggle tonight, and that's why we don't have victory like we should. But you've got to understand something. Both go hand in hand. Obedience to His Word should be the response of your faith in Him. That was Joshua's response. He trusted God. He had faith in God. That's why he obeyed Him and did exactly what God said to do. March around the walls. Okay, it's not the way I would think, but that's what I'll do. And he got victory. And, listen, and here's why. And here's why. Because we always got to know, well, Why? Well, maybe we ought to just go because I said so and that God said so and just do it. But let's also consider that. I mean, I think it is worthy of that because here's, and you've got to understand this. The reason that God does things different than our way of thinking, watch this, is because He wants the glory. There's some key things here in this strategy for defeating Jericho. The number seven is mentioned over and over again. God's number of completion. After He made the earth in six literal 24-hour days, He rested on the seventh. They're marching. Think about it. Everything that they're doing points to God. Outside of marching, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. That's the presence of God. They're blowing the seven trumpets and the seven priests. Again, all seven pointing to God. Not a finger was lifted to help tear down the wall. God done it all. Why? So He can get the glory. So he can get the glory. And notice what Josh, God tells Joshua in verse number 2. He says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Notice that, Joshua, you're not getting the victory. I'm getting the victory for you. I'm giving them into your hand. All the glory goes to God. Well, come on, isn't that why we're saved by grace through faith? Come on, I'm just telling, listen, if it was up to man, we'd come up with our work, go out there and stand on our head for 30 seconds, you get to go to heaven, or whatever. Now, we just, we do all these other things. But God said, it's my faith. I'm doing the work. I'm sending my son. My son's going to die on the cross for your sin and, and be dead and buried for three literal days and rise again. And that's how you're going to get victory. You're going to get victory not through your works, but by grace are you saved through faith. It's me that does the saving. It's me that does the work so that we can get glory unto Him. But it's the same way in the victorious Christian life. And once you get saved by faith, the response of faith ought to be this, that we begin to obey God's Word. And man, I just, man, that's crazy. Preacher, you want us to get baptized and then we got to join the church and then we got to start coming to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and, and Wednesday night and start getting rid of junk in our life and start spending time in the Bible and spending time in prayer and learning to walk with God and, and letting Him change the way we think and change the things that we look at and change the things that we listen to and change the things that we say. That's victory. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, you might think it would be crazy tonight, but I'm just telling you, after 20-something years of doing it, it works. I said, it works. It works. It works. Listen to me. God's power has not dwindled. God's ways still work. I'm telling you tonight, it works, but you've got to do it His way. And let Him get the glory. Boy, you'll have victory. You'll have victory. So He does it that way. Something else about this. <clears throat> and I like this. 
you know this? God's plan for victory included everyone. Oh, I, I know that the strategy was given to Joshua, the leader of Israel. Talks about the soldiers and the priests. So they had the armed men in their position and, and those kind of things. But eventually all the people are in on this thing. I mean, look at what happens. I, you can talk about the seven priests. And, all, and it shall come to pass in verse 5 that when they make a long blast with their arms on I go down in verse number 6. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest. And then and notice in verse number 8. And he said unto the people. I say, everybody, you're, you're in this too. You sure you don't want me to stay at the camp? You said, march around it how many times? And then blow the trumpet and shout? Really? I'll stay here at the camp. Hey, 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 hey. Didn't you just see him part the Jordan River? You're right. I'm in. Give me a line. Give me by the guy with the big spear. Big sword. Isn't that awesome, though? It's everybody. What a what a. What, it's the same way with it's the same way with victory today. It's it's for everyone. Listen, God certainly wants every person to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But at the same time, listen, and then once you get saved, He wants every child to live in victory. Victory is not just for the pastor and his family tonight. It's for every person that's in this room tonight. He wants every person. Preacher, you don't listen. Look at, think about what I've done and the things I did. Yep, God wants you to have victory. What loving, listen to me, what loving father wouldn't want the best for his children? Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or the things that are, God wants you to have victory. It's for everyone. And here's the thing that you got to understand. If it's for everyone, then that means this, that no one is exempt from this strategy. So don't think that you can be in here tonight and buck God's plan because, well, you know, I'm somebody special. No, no you're not. No, I'm not. No, no, you understand that, that uh, well, well, you know, preacher, I mean, listen, the, have you seen these people at the end of the pew? They, I hope they're listening. Well, maybe they're looking down the other way and hoping you're listening. You understand, friend? No, no, I'm just telling you. See, you know, I'm just telling subjects like Bible reading and prayer time, it doesn't just apply to the pastor because he needs to be spiritual. It applies to everybody. Modesty doesn't apply, just apply to the pastor because she needs to be an example. No, it applies to everybody. Because we all need to be spiritual and we all need to be examples. Therefore, friend, we all need to follow the plan of God's Word and obey Him. But here's the other thing. If it included everyone, watch this, then everyone needs to do their part. Victory over Jericho was a group effort. Everyone did their part. Everyone followed the right plan laid out by the captain by not participating or getting away, deviating from God's plan. You affect the whole group and those closest to you. If you don't believe me, just ask Achan in chapter 7. Probably the saddest part out of all this is to get there, and it starts with this, but Achan. He deviated from the plan and caused Israel to suffer defeat. He also caused the death of 36 men in the battle of Ai, and he and his own family lost their lives as well. And beware that when you deviate from God's strategy, listen to this, 
you will affect others. I'm telling you, one of the greatest lies of the devil today is to whisper in your ear that your sin only affects you, doesn't bother anybody else. That is a lie. It affects everybody around you. It does affect your church family, friend, when you're not in your place and serving God and you quit and go back to the old life. It does affect God's people. Well, nobody calls me and nobody comes. Yeah, that's because you quit listening. But don't you think you're not off my prayer list yet? There are people that should be here tonight still on my prayer list praying for them. And you need to also know that it affects those closest to you, your family and your spouse and those that are closest to you. They will be affected by your unwillingness to live victoriously. And what's sad is this, is that they will suffer by watching you in misery. They might even follow your example or they'll become part of the chastening hand of God that's meant for you. I think one of the saddest things in ministry is to watch is to watch children suffer the consequences of the sin of their parents. You need to understand tonight, God's plan for victory, it will never change. It is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to His Word. And this is what I love. It is so, it is so very simple, but yet so many fail to live victoriously, and here's why. Because they're unwilling to follow God's plan. But that's not what Joshua did. In fact, here's the third thing, and I'm done tonight. Can you imagine that? It's like two short Sunday messages in a row. Mark it down. That could be a record. But there's also the stroll for the strategy, and I'm, I'm, or the stroll for the victory, and I'm not going to go back and read all those verses, but you and I know what happens. All the way from verse 6, all the way down through verse 16, we read it. Joshua's response to the Lord's strategy for victory was simply this. Trust and obey. When God said to do all those things, Joshua organized the priests, the troops, and all the people, as God said, and they began to march around Jericho until the walls came tumbling down. The great miracle of the victory at Jericho is not, is not only that Joshua and the rest of Israel saw the walls come tumbling down, but also that they marched around the walls. They all trusted God and they all obeyed God. And they were all victorious. You know what my heart would be in here tonight? Is that every person in this room or listening to the sound of my voice sitting there on live stream, that you would live in victory. But even, but even more than me, you have a heavenly Father who wants you to live in victory. But the only way that you live in victory is if you'll understand how important it is that you do. And then you will humble yourself and submit to the strategy that God has for you. Not anything deep tonight. I think the big issue is this, is just whether or not we're willing to humble ourselves to it tonight. What about you? You living in victory tonight? I'm telling you, it's incredibly important and it's available, but here's the thing. All you have to do, all you have to do is trust and obey. Trust and obey. But that's really the big part. Let's all stand tonight.